This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 94. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. And to also remind you to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group, which I'll talk more about at the tail end of this episode. So for this week's episode, as I mentioned in a previous episode a couple weeks ago, I decided to start doing two episodes a week, one on Sundays where I give you the latest news and information from the big four rumor sites and then still doing the standard Thursday episode where I do interviews, reviews and other things like that related to photography. So this is the first Sunday news and rumors episode. And let's get into this and see what exactly we have going on in news and information and rumors for this week from the Big Four. Let's do this! All right, so first up from CanonRumors.com, has Canon developed a new 21 megapixel sensor for the Canon EOS R system? Canon Watch is reporting that Canon has developed a new 21 megapixel full frame sensor and suggests we may see it in an upcoming EOS R camera. The new sensor specifications are as follows 21 megapixel full frame sensor at 6.4 UM, global shutter 120 dB dynamic range, this translates to 20 stops of dynamic range, 120 frames per second. The image sensor may be based on the two-thirds inch sensor shown for ISSC 2017. I haven't been told anything yet that confirms the above information, so please take this information with a grain of salt. So this is interesting. Um, a 21 megapixel sensor is kind of interesting. I'm wondering if maybe being the EOS R6 has a 20.1 megapixel sensor, basically the same size sensor as the 1DX Mark III, if maybe this new 21 megapixel sensor might be the sensor that they're working on for their 1DX Mark III replacement, their EOS R1, as I like to call it. So that is a possibility. That's the first thing that jumps to my mind because Canon has stuck with a 20 megapixel sensor for a long time in the 1D bodies. So possibly bumping it up to 21 with a new technology sensor To me, that sounds pretty reasonable, and that might be the route they're going with this particular item. We'll have to wait and see how things flesh out. All right, so next up from Canon Rumors, we have industry news, the first Nikon Z9 specifications. Now, I understand this is the Canon segment, but they do have this article on their site about this new potential Nikon. Nikon Rumors has released the first specifications for Nikon's professional Z9 mirrorless camera. This will compete with Sony's Pro A9 series camera and the rumored Canon EOS R1. Perhaps Nikon has the resources into this camera and it's why the D6 was such an incremental update. Rumored Nikon Z9 specifications. The Nikon Z9 is expected in the fall of 2021. No official plans for a Nikon Z8 camera as of yet. Prototype Z9 cameras may be tested at the Tokyo Olympics next year. New Nikkor Z 400mm f2.8 mirrorless lens is also rumored for the Olympics. Uh, Let's see. The Z9 is described as a D6 body combined with EOS R5 imaging, A92AF, and a blackout-free EVF. Rumored sensor to be 46 megapixels. Previous rumors suggested that it was going to be 60. 20 frames per per second shooting in continuous mode, 8K 30p and 4K 120, 60 and 30p video. New X-Speed processor designed for 8K, improved AF, object detention, uh, detection AF. Two XQD CFX Type B memory card slots, ISO range of 64 to 25,600 H or high one and high two. 
High-resolution blackout-free EVF, new user interface, no second LCD screen on the back like the D6. The new battery is rumored to be the Nikon EN-EL18X. It's rumored that it'll have gigabit, uh, gigabit LAN port, USB-C, Wi-Fi, and GPS, and a price tag of six to $7,000. Now, this does make sense to me that Nikon could be working on a flagship sports camera that they're going to have out in the field for beta testing next year for the Olympics. Um, Canon is still struggling to keep up with Sony, or uh, Nikon is still struggling to keep up with Sony and Canon, and this may be their way of trying to level the playing field a bit. It does sound like it'll be a fantastic sports camera, uh, but whether or not it comes true, we'll have to wait and see. I'm thinking the price tag will probably be closer to the $7,000 mark um, just because of the research and development costs and their mirrorless platform. I'm sure Nikon hasn't recouped that yet. Um, as I've mentioned in numerous uh, previous episodes, they're still pretty much hemorrhaging cash. So we'll have to wait and see how that fleshes out. All right, so next up from the world of canonrumors.com for this week, are there two versions of the RF 35mm F1.2L USM coming? The Canon RF 35mm 1.2L USM has been rumored for quite some time. I've been told multiple times that Canon would like a line of F1.2L prime lenses for the RF mount. Now I've been told that Canon may also be working on a DS or defocus smoothing version of the RF 35 1.2 LUSM to be announced sometime in the first half of 2021. We haven't seen a patent for such an optical formula, formula yet, but there are a lot of optical formula patents for an RF 35mm F1.4 LUSM lens, including one with soft focus setting. It's quite possible that there are a lot of prototypes of these lenses. This information comes from an unknown source, so treat it accordingly. In other words, take it with a grain of salt. Now, I would not be surprised if Canon did this. Um, they do like to have a 35, a 50, and an 85 in their L lenses, especially, you know, primes in those L lenses. So it does sound like something they are probably working on. Again, there's no patents that have been discovered yet. So whether or not this is going to be a, a reality, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, they did already do two versions of the 85mm L USM in the RF mount. They have the standard one and then the DS or defocus smoothing model. So it's entirely possible they may do the same thing with the 35. We'll just have to wait and see. All right, so next up this week from the world of canonrumors.com, Adobe Max 2020 is around the corner and it's free for everyone. The Adobe Max 2020 conference is all online this year and is free for everyone to register and attend. There will be so many great speakers and something for everyone, so be sure to register ahead of time. Quote, make plans to join us for a uniquely immersive and engaging digital experience guaranteed to inspire. Three days of, luminar of luminary speakers, celebrity appearances, musical performance, global collaborative art projects, and 350 plus sessions and all at no cost. And you can learn more from the Adobe Max 2020 website. I'll include, of course, a link to this story in the show notes for this episode so that my listeners can check it all out for themselves. Next up from Canon Rumors, two, two big white lenses coming for the RF mount in 2021. And this is a CR2 rumor, which has a lot more credibility than a basic CR1. I really wanted to know when we would be seeing our first RF mount big white, in quotes, lenses, so I reached out to a couple of sources and received a little bit of information on the topic. I was told by both sources I spoke with that Canon plans to announce at least two such lenses in 2021. These lenses will come alongside the Canon EOS R1, which looks to be coming in the second half of 2021, though delays are obviously possible. One source said that one of the new lenses would be an RF 300 F2.8 but neither of them knew what the second lens might be. So there will be more to come on this. And again, I'll share the link to this article in the show notes for this episode so that my listeners can check it out for themselves and see if it's something that gets them excited. 
Next up, the Canon RS 600mm f11 ISSTM and the 800mm f11 ISSTM were inspired by lenses from the 1960s. Two of the strangest and surprising products Canon announced this year were the Canon RF 600 and 800mm f11 ISSTM Super Telephoto lenses. There really isn't any other lenses like these on the market, and reviewers have been pleasantly surprised by how usable these lenses actually are. DC Watch had the chance to interview the Canon engineers responsible for these lens designs, and it's kind of cool where the idea for them came from. All right, and there's an image in this article, top to bottom, the Canon uh, R600mm f5.6 and the 800mm f8 and the R1000 f11 lenses from 1960, image credit Canon slash digital camera world. According to the Canon engineers, the ideas for these lenses were inspired by the Super Telephoto lenses from the 1960s. The Canon RF mount also makes these lenses possible since the cameras can autofocus at f22, which wasn't possible on DSLRs. Quote, I wanted to create specs that can only be achieved with the EOS R system and enjoyment through new user experiences. Among them, I wondered if I could break through the three barriers of, of heavy, big, and expensive for super telephoto lenses. Canon's dual-pixel CMOS autofocus is strong against AF even in the dark, so a super telephoto lens with a large F number may be possible. End quote. Since the EOS R system can measure distances up to the maximum aperture of F22, I thought that the F value of the lens alone would be F11, considering the installation of a 2 times extender. With F8, the lens becomes thicker, and with F16, it exceeds F22 when the 2 times extender is attached. Even in the era of single-lens reflex cameras, I wondered if I could manage to get closer to the world of super telephoto lenses that exceed 400 millimeters. I considered increasing the F number as I did this time, but it didn't work. If you increase the F value, you can only AF at the center of the screen. With a single-lens reflex camera, the viewfinder became dark and there were concerns about usability, so I gave up on the idea. The, these new F11 Super Telephotos are going to be quite popular as more and more people try them out. I haven't yet gotten my hands on one, but I hope to soon. This is coming from Canon Rumors, of course. And you can read the full interview over at DC Watch. And of course, I'll include a link to this article in the show notes for the episode so that my listeners can check it out for themselves. So I do find it interesting that uh, those two lenses were basically based, their design was based on 1960s lenses. That's kind of interesting. Now, I honestly didn't realize that these F11 lenses can actually autofocus all the way up to F22. So I guess in that case, maybe they are a lot more usable than I thought they were. I may have to rent one myself just to try it out. Next up, industry news. You can finally pre-order the Zeiss ZX-1, but it's going to cost you. One of the more interesting cameras announced back in 2018 was the Zeiss ZX-1, an Android-powered fixed-lens full-frame camera. It would appear Zeiss is going after the market that the Leica Q series pretty much sits alone in. It's been a long time, but you can finally pre-order the Zeiss ZX-1 for a cool $6,000 U.S., when the ZX-1 ships uh, is unknown at this time, at the time of writing this article, I'm sorry. About the Zeiss ZX-1, modeled after the Ethos Shoot Edit Share, the Zeiss ZX-1 is a truly innovative camera with an uncompromising position on all facets of photography. Designed, <clears throat> excuse me, first to be a camera to appeal to the purist, the ZX-1 revolves around a full-frame 37-point Four megapixel CMOS sensor, which affords high-resolution still shooting along with 4K video recording. The sensor's design permits shooting at up to three frames per second and has a broad sensitivity range of ISO 80 to 51,200 to suit working in various lighting conditions. Paired perfectly to the sensor is a Zeiss Distagon T-Star uh, 35mm f2 prime lens, whose general wide-angle field of view suits a broad range of shooting applications from reportage to landscape to portraiture. Building off this foundation, the ZX-1 allows for intuitive and seamless shooting control, favoring simple physical dials and rings for adjusting exposure and employing a leaf shutter design for inconspicuous performance. 
benefiting the efficient design, uh, imaging capabilities is a high-resolution OLED electronic viewfinder and an especially large 4.3-inch rear LCD touchscreen. The EVF has a 0.74x magnification and full HD resolution for bright, clear viewing while shooting. Conversely, the expansive size of the rear LCD is well-suited to imagine innovation or navigation and in-camera image editing via built-in Adobe Photoshop Lightroom CC. This advanced editing application lets you make both global and local edits efficiently and will sync automatically with Lightroom CC on your computer. Finally, developing to or hoping to organize and get your images out into the world, the ZX-1 is outfitted with a slew of connectivity options ranging from Wi-Fi and Bluetooth to USB-C connector for offloading directly to an external hard drive. In terms of saving imagery on the camera, a built-in 512GB SSD offers an impressive amount of storage space for your photos and videos, along with the possibility to organize files into collections for faster navigation. Shoot, full-frame 37.4 megapixel CMOS sensor enables recording high-resolution stills at up to three frames per second and 4K 30p video, along with a sensitivity range of ISO 80 to 51,200. Built-in Zeiss Distagon T-Star 35 F2 lens has been perfectly matched to the sensor in order to provide edge-to-edge sharpness and illumination. The optical design incorporates two double-sided spherical elements, which help to reduce spherical aberrations and minimize distortion. Additionally, the bright F2 maximum aperture is suitable for low-light shooting and also offers increased control over depth of field. Leaf shutter design provides flash sync at all shutter speeds and allows for especially quiet shooting. The 255 area AF system is available and can be used in conjunction with single shot or continuous AF modes or DMF and MF modes can be used as well. Physical shutter speed and ISO dials along with a manual aperture ring on the lens afford direct intuitive controls over exposure settings. The high resolution 0.7 inch OLED electronic viewfinder has a full HD resolution along with a 0.74 X magnification for clear, bright viewing. Rear LCD incorporates a side toolbar for quick switching between four distinct camera modes. Microphone and headphone jacks can be used for enhanced audio recording and audio monitoring while recording video. The top hot shoe is compatible with Sigma TTL flash protocol. Under the edit category, based on a large 4.34 inch rear LCD on the fly image editing is possible. The HD uh, 1280 by 720 uh, screen has a 338 PPI resolution and is touch sensitive for intuitive navigation and editing control. The spacious screen is also the perfect place for in-depth review of your images while out shooting. The distinct shape of the camera body, which has a bend in the middle, allows for an easy to find groove in the screen where the touch sensitive toolbar is located. Integrated Adobe Photoshop Lightroom CC allows for thorough editing capabilities directly on the camera. This sophisticated software lets you adjust everything from exposure and color to making selective edits or syncing your edits to Lightroom CC on your computer. Under share category, a wide range of sharing capabilities are possible, including both wireless and wired means to help you quickly and efficiently get your photos out to the world. Built-in Wi-Fi with NFC and Bluetooth connectivity let you seamlessly share images directly from the camera to a linked device. USB Type-C interface can be used to port images directly to an external hard drive, share a live view of the camera to an additional screen, or an external battery pack can be used to power and charge the internal battery. Integrated 512GB solid-state storage allows for storing a huge amount of photos and movie files without the need to swap memory cards. On the camera, files can be organized into different collections for easier navigation. Wireless connectivity lets you upload your files to cloud storage services directly from the camera. Automatic backups are possible to your own NAS system, and remote access to the files is also available from wherever you are. Firmware updated can be downloaded and installed, or updates over the air are also a possibility. So to me, this is a really exciting idea for a camera. Um, It's a bit on the expensive side, of course, because it comes from Zeiss. Um, But I do love the fact that they went with a solid state hard drive as the storage medium in the camera. There are no memory card slots. 
Uh, I love the fact that they made it USB-C. So like they said, you can charge it using a portable battery out in the field and keep the camera powered. Um, the one thing they left out that really surprised me was cellular connectivity. It's like, well, if you're going to make a camera that has most of the things people complain they want in a camera all the time with the solid state storage, why not give us the ability to put a SIM card in the camera and it have its own 4G LTE or 5G connection so that you can more easily upload your photos anywhere out in the field. But it is definitely an exciting prospect. A little bit out of my price range. I don't think I'd spend $6,000 for a fixed lens camera. But it is definitely interesting. And some people out there might be interested in it. And of course, I'll include a link to this article in the show notes. So you can check it out for yourself. Next up, the Canon EOS M50 Mark II has been confirmed and should be announced before the end of 2020. The new EOS M camera promises to build on the feature set of the much-loved original EOS M50. The rumored specifications for the Mark II are a 32.5 megapixel APS-C CMOS sensor, Digic X, it might be a new version of the Digic X processor, uh, dual pixel autofocus Mark II, 14 frames per second, 4K at 60p with no crop, no IBIS, Similar EVF resolution to the EOS R6 and a single SD card slot. Most of this seems pretty logical. I don't think Canon would care much about cannibalizing the EOS M6 Mark II sales. The lack of IBIS is going to upset some folks, but I'm not at all surprised by the omission if these specifications are legit. And I do agree with them 100%. Um, they're not going to put IBIS in this camera because this is meant to be more of a lower end or introductory level camera. So it just wouldn't make sense if they're trying to keep the price point down. They're not going to throw all the bells and whistles into it that they put into their R camera bodies. And they definitely aren't going to want to cannibalize their sales of the R5 or R6. So makes total sense to me that they would go that route and not put IBIS in this camera and that they would limit it to a single SD card slot. And last up from Canon rumors for this week, the Canon RF85 F2 IS STM was announced alongside the EOS R5 and R6 back in July and had a shipping estimate of October. It looks like it's on schedule as I've received two reports of the lens hitting the uh, shores of Australia this week and it will likely be in customers' hands next week. Adorama is still showing a ship date of November 2nd, 2020, but I think folks that pre-ordered what that uh, pre-order will definitely be a popular lens for getting, we'll be getting there before then. Ah, that writing on this article is terrible. If you pre-ordered one and you've received a shipping notification, please let me know. And there's a link to the RF 85mm F2 ISSTM at Adorama in the article, which I'll share, of course, in the show notes for this episode. So that is going to wrap up all of the items we have from Canon Rumors for this week. We will next be moving on to all the things happening from Nikon Rumors. And I'm just pulling up the uh, articles here real quick. I apologize. I try to have them up ahead of time, but because of all the stupid ads that they run on their sites uh, to make revenue, it uh, really bogs things down quite a bit. So I have to do it uh, one uh, website at a time. And only their articles, you know, only a set of articles from one particular website. So uh, I'm going ahead and pulling all those articles up that I had bookmarked for this week or saved for this week um, so that we can go over. Now, that's a lot of exciting news we got from Canon Rumors for this week. And there's a lot of stuff going on from Nikon Rumors. So we're going to check all of that out as well. And the first thing we're going to start with is some more news and rumors on the next-gen mirrorless cameras from Nikon. So now we have more Nikon Z6 and Z7 Mark II rumored specifications. Again, this falls under Nikon's The Next Chapter countdown to launch. The launch date is expected to be October 14th, 2020, so next week. Here are some more rumored Nikon Z6 and 7 Mark II camera specifications and details coming from Asia. Google translated, so there could be errors. The new Nikon Z6 II will start shipping in mid-November, the Z7 II in January 2021. In 2021, a new 4K 60p with 1.7x crop will be released with a firmware update. Expect up to 30% price increase over the current Z6 and Z7. The Z6 is currently $1,797 and the 7 is $2,497. 
based on your location. The Z6 and 7 Mark II camera sensors are the same as in the current Z6 and 7, with improved AF coming only from the extra new processor. The new Z6 7 Mark II battery grip will be called the MBN, or Michael Bravo November-11. The Nikon NBM11 will have a shutter release button as previously reported, and the electronic contact will be located in the battery compartment similar to the Nikon D8. Uh, D80, D90 grips. 14 frames per second for the Z6 Mark II and 12 frames per second for the Z7 Mark II. Most improvements are in the eye and animal AF area and some tweaks in the AFC mode. AF improvements include low light situations, wide AF area, AF tracking, video recording. New or improved energy saving modes. You will be able to update the Z6 and 7.2 firmware via SnapBridge. Wow, finally. <laughs> Improved buffer as previously reported, 99 with the Z6.2 and 57 with the Z7.2. You will be able to reverse the control focus ring direction with one of the camera functions. So that's definitely exciting. It sounds like Nikon's got some cool things going on with these updated versions of their Z6 and 7. The one thing that kind of surprises me is... The Z7 is the higher end of the two models, so why is the Z7 only getting 12 frames per second continuous shooting and the lower end Z6 is getting 14? I think that's kind of odd. <laughs> and especially odd that they would shoot for 12 and 14 when Canon and Sony are already doing 20 frames per second. But uh, again, we'll have to wait and see what actually comes about, what comes from this article and what the cameras actually have when they're officially announced by Nikon. Next up, the promised CF Express memory cards, firmware update for the Nikon D5, D850, and D500 DSLR cameras will be released by the end of 2020. Back in February 2019, Nikon announced that the D5, D850, and D500 DSLR cameras would get firmware updates for CF Express memory card support. We never heard any updates since, and my inbox is full of emails from readers asking me when we will get the new firmware. I can finally confirm that Nikon will be releasing the CF Express firmware updates before the end of this year. Here I mean before the end of 2020. There is a very good chance that Nikon may say something about this topic next week when they announce the new Z6 and 7 Mark II mirrorless cameras, so stay tuned. Now, this would definitely be cool. Um, as he mentioned, uh, Nikon talked about this back in February of 2019, but then they never did it. And it is exciting to see that there looks like they're probably finally going to make this happen. That's definitely exciting. And it's going to make a lot of people happy. So we'll have to wait and see if this actually fleshes out. If it does, it's going to be really, really cool. And it's going to make a lot of Nikon shooters really, really happy. Next up, try the new Nikon Z5 for 30 days worry-free with yellow. Uh, similar to the Z50, Nikon started a new program in the U.S. where you can try the full-frame Nikon Z5 mirrorless camera for 30 days worry-free with yellow. Additional in, uh, information is available here. <laughs> it's got a typo. It says additional inflation is here. Uh, the Nikon Z5 camera is already $200 off in Germany at Calumet DE, Amazon DE, and in stock everywhere, Adorama, B&H, Focus Camera, Amazon, Park Cameras, Wex, and Camera Canada. So this is in interesting. I'm not sure how the yellow program works because I'm not a Nikon shooter. Um, I'm assuming probably you pay for the camera up front. They ship it to you, and it, by the end of 30 days, if you don't like it, you send it back, get all your money back. I highly doubt they're just going to send you the camera for free and let you pay for it after the end of 30 days. That would be kind of crazy, so I can't see him doing that, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens and uh, see what uh, how this program works. I might have to do some research into it uh, just because I'm not familiar with it myself, uh, but it is an interesting concept, and we'll have to wait and see what comes of it. Next up, DP Review posted another vanilla interview with Nikon executives. DP Review... Um, uh, to be honest, uh, and to be honest about this interview, I had a hard time finding anything interesting to report, not to blame DP Review. They did ask several interesting questions. Here are a few of the quotes. Higher price point cameras were the most impacted by COVID-19. 
Nikon is recovering and at a fast pace. Nikon sincerely apologized for the Nikkor Z70-200 lens delay now in stock at Amazon from a third party at a premium price. Nikon cannot provide info on their top-end ILC mirrorless camera. More DX APS-C lenses are coming. The new Nikkor Z 50mm f1.2 S lens will be impossible to create for an F mount. Uh, designing lenses for the Z mount does give us more freedom. On the Nikon Z8, Z9 rumors, while we are working hard to consider future products that will exceed the expectation of users, including professionals. And you can uh, read the entire interview over at DP Review. I'll include a link to this article in the show notes so that my listeners can check it out for themselves. Yeah, it does sound like another fairly uh, lame vanilla interview where they didn't really get a lot of interesting data out of Nikon execs, but, you know, of course, they're not going to let too much of the cat out of the bag. You know how it is with technology and camera companies and stuff like that. So we'll have to wait and see. Capture One 20 version 13.1.3 released with Nikon Z5 support. Now, there's going to be a lot of articles on Capture One this week just because most of the big camera rumor sites are talking about it. And I did just update my Capture One. My user, uh, listeners may remember that a little while back, a couple of months ago, I finally dumped Photoshop and Lightroom. And I'm using exclusively Capture One and Affinity Photo um, as my replacements. And one of the reasons why I did that is I didn't like paying the subscription price. Uh, Capture One does have a subscription model, but they do still allow you to buy a perpetual license as well. And that's what I have. And the uh, Capture One software is just better for processing Fuji images, especially for my GFX 50R. So that's the reason why I went with that. Okay. So anyways, Capture 120 uh, version 13.1.3 is now available and it has added support for the new Nikon Z5 camera. This is a service release for Capture 120 and includes bug fixes, new camera support, and support for Windows 10 version 2004. The full release notes can be found here and there's a link and of course I'll, of course I'll include this episode, uh, this article in the episode show notes. There is also a new 25% discount on any Capture One prepaid subscription with promo code ANNUAL25. Capture One recently announced a new version for Nikon users. Here is a breakdown of the different available versions. Capture One Express for Nikon is completely free, not trial, and it's limited in capabilities when compared to the full version. Capture One Pro for Nikon, full-featured, has the same capabilities and features as a full Pro version, but supports only Nikon cameras. This version supports only raw images from Nikon. Capture One Pro for all cameras has the same features as the branded version, but it also supports different cameras, can edit raw files from different manufacturers. Capture One Trial version has a full range of capabilities and features and is available for free 30 days only, no credit card needed. Now, like I said, I've switched completely to Capture One. I love their software. I didn't buy the Express version that was only made for Fuji cameras because, of course, I have two Nikon cam or uh, Canon cameras as well. And I'll probably be adding the R6 during the holiday season. Uh, so I didn't want a version that was limited. So I bought the pro full-blown version that supports pretty much all major cameras and camera maker raw files that are currently on the market. Nikon Coolpix P1000 firmware update version 1.3 released. Today, Nikon released new firmware update version 1.3 for the Coolpix P1000 camera with a single fix. Quote, fixed an issue in which pictures shot using continuous H or continuous L with 3200 or 6400 selected for ISO sensitivity in the modes P, S, A, and M were recorded at ISO 1600 instead of at the value shown in the shooting display. You can download the new firmware update from here, and I'll include a link to this in the show notes so any of my listeners using this particular camera can get the update for themselves. I'm not going to comment much on that. I'm just glad that Nikon did uh, make a create a fix, a firmware update for this particular bug. So it's good that they're staying on top of those kind of things um, for their customers. Next up, the latest Sigma and Tamron lens rebates for October. Sigma and Tamron have new lens rebates in the U.S. for the month of October. Sigma lens rebates up to $300 off on select lenses. 
Tamron lens rebates up to $200 off on select lenses. That's all there is in this. These are both links that'll probably take you to those respective websites and show you what particular select lenses are on sale. I'll include this, this article in the show notes for this episode so that my listeners can check it out for themselves. And finally this week from Nikon, Nikon F6 D5, several Nikkor AI-S and AF-S DX lenses now listed as discontinued. Nikon dealers in Europe received notification that the following products already discontinued and cannot be ordered. The Nikon D5, the Nikon SB300, the Nikon F6, the Nikkor AI-S 50mm F1.2, and the Nikkor 24mm F2.8. It seems that many other or all manual focus AI-S Nikkor lenses and several or all AF-S DX lenses are also listed as discontinued at the official Nikon Japan website. The Nikon D5 is listed as discontinued as well, but the F6 is not. Maybe for now, the F6 is not going to be available only in Germany. The Nikon D5 is also listed as discontinued at B&H. Please note that most of these items listed above are still available for sale in the U.S. at Adorama or B&H. Now, I did hear about this the other day when I was watching, I think it was the Photo News Fix uh, from Frono's Photo, Jared Poland. Um, he was talking about that, and uh, I was actually surprised that the uh, the F6 was still available for sale because that's an old uh, film camera. So I was really surprised that Nikon was still selling it. And according to Jared's article on it, um, it was still selling for like $2,600, $2,700. So I'm not sure who in their right mind would be wasting that kind of money on a brand new old school film camera when you could get a high quality mirrorless latest technology camera for the same price. So that was definitely a bit of an odd thing to me. I mean, I just personally thought it was extremely strange that Nikon would even still offer a film camera, but I know it wasn't too long ago. And I apologize, I can't remember what model. Uh, it wasn't all that long ago that Nike or uh, Canon had discontinued uh, one of their old film cameras that was actually still in production for quite a while. Um, and people were still buying it. I was really shocked when I found that out. I was like, wow, I didn't realize that Canon even still had any film cameras, uh, you know, on, on sale on the market, uh, let alone that they were... Uh, that they were actually still active. There were people still actively buying it. I mean, I was just really shocked and surprised by that. And I apologize. I know I'm rambling a little bit, but again, I'm trying to pull up the links from Fuji rumors as I'm talking to you. Um, I didn't want to just leave, you know, my listeners with dead air while I'm getting all these links pulled up. Cause there are quite a few of them for this week. And uh, there's a lot of, a lot of cool news and rumors coming out from Fuji this week, as well as Canon and Nikon. So I want to get to all of this and uh, be able to tell all of my listeners all about all of the happenings from the world of FujiRumors.com. All right, so let's go with the first item while other things are still loading here. Breaking next, Fujinon X-Mount Roadmap to include Fujinon XF 18mm F1.4 WR. Phew, I am back home. What a stressy day. Anyway, what did I have to tell you? Oh, right. The surprise lens to come with a smiley face. Well, according to our trusted sources, Fujifilm will add a new XF 18mm F1.4 weather-resistant prime lens to the upcoming new X-mount roadmap. So please read carefully. As you know, a top Japanese Fujifilm manager said there will be four new Fujinon X-mount lenses released within February, March of 2021, and Fuji Rumors has shared them all for you to to read about already. The Fujinon XF 50mm f1.0 recently announced, the Fujinon XF 70-300 4.5-5.6, the Fujinon XF 27mm f2.8, the Fujinon XF 10 to 24 millimeter F4. I confirm that the lenses listed above are indeed the four new lenses that the manager was talking about, and hence the ones that will be officially announced by February, March of 2021. And I also confirm what I just published today a new XF 18 millimeter F1.4 will be added to the next X mount roadmap. And uh, that is it for this article. It's definitely exciting. A bunch of new X mount lenses coming out from Fuji. Uh, that's definitely going to make the Fujifilm shooters really, really excited. 
And I am, uh, I, I'm excited for them. Uh, I had kicked around the possibility of switching to all Fuji after I bought my GFX, but I decided against it because, um, don't get me wrong, Fuji cameras are fantastic. I just didn't want to go back to APS-C after going full frame and then uh, mirrorless medium format. So that's why I did not do that. So right now I'm going to go ahead and take a break and we'll be right back with more news and rumors for this episode. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Liam Photography Podcast. You can visit the homepage for the show at liamphotographypodcast.com. Additionally, you can call or text the show with comments, questions, or future episode requests at area code 470-294-8191. You can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. Also, be sure to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group, and you can find us on Twitter at liamphoto at. You can tweet us there. Just insert the hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. All right. Now back to the show. And we're back. All right. Let's continue on with the Fuji rumors for this week. Next up, leaked Fujifilm XS10 images. The Fujifilm XS10 product images have now been leaked by Nokashida. You can see them all down below. Oh, look, it's exactly as we described it to you with a winking smiley face. Join our brand new Fujifilm XS10 Facebook group here, and uh, I'll include a link to this article in the show notes. The XS10 specs, 4K 30p and Full HD at 240p, 18 film simulations, hence all of the ones available on the X-T4. 30 frames per second continuous shooting. Announcement October 15th and not October 16th, as this non-FR leak might have suggested. The cost will be around $1,000, 26 megapixel X-Trans sensor, deep grip, X-T4 alike, selfie screen, 1.04 million dot, NP-W126S battery, SLR styled, not rangefinder, IBIS 5 axis up to 6 stops, auto mode now records also raw images, the Fujifilm X-S10 versus X-T4 shape and size comparison. So there's an article comparing the size of the two cameras. And of course, I'll include a link to this article in the show notes so that my listeners can check it out for themselves. All right. So next up for this week's episode, surprise, a never rumored lens on next X-Mount roadmap. I have received information that Fujifilm will include a never-rumored lens on the next Fujinon X-Mount lens roadmap. Now, as you know, I am a primary school teacher, and you can hear one of my students judging my, let's say, original lessons here. And right now, I am at a short lunch break before a quick meeting with colleagues, but it won't take long, and I'll soon be at home to unveil the mystery. I mean, I want to be 100% with you guys when the rumor drops and the comment section explodes. So I'll drink my espresso, do my job, and then hurry home. In the meantime, you can dream and make your guess and check out the other rumored lenses. The Fujinon XF70-300 4.5-5.6. The Fujinon XF 27mm F2.8 Mark II. The Fujinon XF 10-24 F4 Mark II. So that's all we have on this new mystery lens that's supposedly going to be on uh, a near future Fuji X lens roadmap. We'll have to wait and uh, see if we get more news in the near future. Next up, back to Capture One Pro 20 version 13.1.3 released with bug fix for X-T4 and a 25% discount Capture One subscription. All right, so as I told you in the earlier segment, this version of Capture One has been released, blah, blah, blah. Also, there is a 25% discount code, same thing as before, blah, blah, blah. Capture One 13.1.3 release notes, new camera support for the Nikon Z5 and the Sony uh, ZV1. New lens support, the FE 200-600mm f5.6-6.3 G OSS plus Sony 1.4X teleconverter, which is the SEL. 14 TC. Uh, bug fixes for Mac fixed an issue where masks could be saved incorrectly and fail to load at a later stage. Fixed an issue where using color balance on a layer could result in artifacts on the exported image. Fixed an issue where touching the touch bar on MacBooks could crash Capture One. Fixed an issue where Fujifilm XT4 thumbnails were corrupted when shot with a film simulation. Fixed various crashes and other issues. Bug fixes for Windows. 
Fixed an issue where the list for open with and edit with could sometimes be empty. Fixed an issue where using color balance on a layer could result in artifacts on the exported images. Fixed an issue where Fujifilm X-T4 thumbnails were corrupted when shot with a film simulation. Fixed various crashes and other issues. This post conflicts with affiliate links and I will, oh, contains affiliate links and I'll be compensated if you make a purchase after clicking through my links. That's from Fujifilm. Uh, Fuji Rumors, not me. Um, as an Amazon associate, I earn from qualifying purchases, he says. So I'll include a, a link to this article in the show notes so you can check it out and check out his affiliate links if you want to. And we'll get on to the next Fujifilm story. Next up, Fujifilm XS10 IBIS unit significantly smaller than X-T4 IBIS unit. Some guys out there think that the Fujifilm X-S10 will have the same IBIS as the Fujifilm X-T4. I contacted my sources about it, and this is the answer I've just received. The IBIS unit on the X-S10 is not the same. We find on the X-T4, it is actually significantly smaller than the one on the X-T4. As a matter of fact, it's Fuji's smallest IBIS unit ever made. Okay, if we don't count this one. Remember, shrinking IBIS is one of the top priorities identified by top Fujifilm manager, uh, Tohishia uh, Aida, man, I hope I didn't butcher your name, sir, but I'm sure I did, who now left the imaging division in a recent interview, and they seem to produce very well with this, or proceed very well with this. Fuji really went a long way from that ba uh, day back in 2016 when they said IBIS is not compatible with Fujifilm X-Mount to 2020 when they are able to squeeze a five-axis six-stop IBIS in a camera as small as the Fujifilm XS10. So that is definitely impressive that Fuji continues to innovate and make their IBIS uh, system or module, whatever you want to call it, uh, smaller in uh, each camera that they come out with. That's great. If it still works as good as the larger versions, that's fantastic. That's a win for everybody. It allows Fuji to do more with the camera internals than they could before, and it gives Fuji shooters all of that great technology that they really want. All right, so next up, Fujifilm X Summit live on October 15th at 9 a.m. New York time, Fujifilm XS10, and much more. Fuji has announced a new Fujifilm X Summit live event on October 15th at 9 a.m. New York time, 6 a.m. San Francisco, 3 p.m. Berlin time, and 10 p.m. Tokyo time. If you're not familiar with the Fujifilm Summits, these are events where Fujifilm managers, industry insiders, and artists talk about the present and future of Fujifilm, giving us lots of information, launching new products, and much more. In short, they are a whole lot of fun to follow. Of course, we will live stream the event here on Fuji Rumors, so definitely stay tuned. If you followed Fuji Rumors in the last few weeks, you'll probably already know most, not all, of what's coming. And if you didn't, make sure to check out uh, back, uh, check back our uh, rich rumor section to get an idea of the events, what the event will be about. To get a better idea of what to expect, feel free to check out the previous X Summits. And there's links here for the third Fujifilm X Summit in London, second one, which was in Tokyo, first one, which was in Dubai. And I'll, of course, include a link to this article in the show notes for this episode so you can check it out for yourself. Next. Up for this week, yes, Fujinon XF10 to 24mm F4 Mark II is weather sealed and announcement in October. This lens will be weather sealed according to Fuji rumors. The XF10 to 24mm F4 can currently be bought at BH Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Focus Camera. The Mark II, of course, is not quite available yet. It'll probably be announced next week during their October 15th um, X Summit event. Next up, Fujifilm XS10 layout explained, three top dials, no D-pad, no top LCD, dedicated ISO, video, and Q button, and more. After we leaked the shape of the Fujifilm XS10, some of you guys thought XS10 will not have an exposure compensation dial and probably a top LCD like the X-H1. So let's clear things up today. Top plate. According to our sources, the Fujifilm XS10 top plate will have three dials, of which two will be unmarked, and one will be a PSAM dial, more or less like they are on the uh, super discounted Fujifilm X-T200. So there won't be any top LCD like there is on the Fujifilm X-H1. 
This might explain also why Fujifilm decided to call it an XS10 and not an XH10 or Mini XH1, as the top LCD is one of the unique standout features of the XH line compared to all other Fujifilm X-Series cameras. Other than that, right on the top plate, there will also be a Q button, an ISO button, and a dedicated video button, and yes, of course, there is a shutter button. On the back side, there will be the usual menu, AF on, AEL, display back, drive playback buttons. There is no D-pad, but there is a joystick. On the front, there is a front command dial. There is no focus mode selector, the M-C-S switch. When the Fujifilm XS10 will be announced October 15th, as usual, there will be a nonstop live blogging here on Fuji Rumors. To read all Fujifilm XS10 rumors, just search for XS10 on FujiRumors.com. You'll read the price, some additional specs, firmware features, size comparison with X-T4, and more. So this sounds like it's going to be an interesting camera. Um, again, I'm you know I'm not going to switch because I've decided to stay with full frame and mirrorless medium format. Uh, but it does definitely look like a really cool camera, and it sounds like a pretty cool camera. And bear with me, because I'm going to take a pause right here, because the battery is getting low in my video camera. Okay, and now we're back with a fresh battery. I apologize about that. Okay, so Fujifilm XS10 additional specs leaked, 4K 30p, and more details. Fujifilm has long rumored the XS10 already, including how much it'll cost. Now, Nokashita confirms all our rumors and adds a few details. Quote, the main specifications of the Fujifilm XS10 are 26.1 megapixel X trans CMOS 4 sensor, 5-axis in-body image stabilization that has an effect of up to 6 stops, X processor 4, 4K 30p video, full HD 240p slow motion. It seems that it it will be motion video, continuous shooting performance of 30 frames a second, 1.04 million dot very angle liquid crystal uh, display, 18 kinds of film simulations. So far, that's what Nokashita says. Here on Fuji Rumors, we have also exclusively shared the following rumors not yet confirmed by Nokashita, and I'll include a link to this in the show notes. There are even more details about this camera leaked in the past here on Fuji Rumors. Just search for XS10 on Fuji Rumors by clicking here. The announcement again is set for October 15th and will, of course, be a live, a big live blogging event here on FujiRumors.com. So you can tune in at that day and time to watch the live stream. And last up from FujiRumors.com, Fujinon XF 50mm f1.0. Where are you? Maybe shipping October 15th and a mini, mini roundup to pass the waiting time. It was supposed to hit the market at the end of September, but so far the Fujinon XF 50mm f1.0 is incredibly hard to find in stock. I guess Fujifilm did not lie when they told us that they were overwhelmed by the pre-orders for, for this lens. And as a matter of fact, the Fujinon XF 50mm f1.0 is outselling by a large margin all other Fujinon lenses in 2020 here on Fuji Rumors. Now, I got a report, thanks, that B&H Photo expects stock on October 15th, so let's hope so. Remains to see how many lenses will get shipped. Let's hope enough to fulfill all pre-orders at least. Anyway, in an attempt to manage our impatience and the waiting, I thought to publish a dedicated roundup to the Fujinon XF 50mm f1.0. The complaints, there were some complaints here in the comments of Fuji rumors that the minimum focus distance for the Fujinon XF 51.0 is only 70 centimeters, hence the same focus distance of the much-loved XF 56mm f1.2. But let, let's look at what the closest XF51.0 full-frame equivalent lenses can offer in terms of minimum, minimum focus distance, and we quickly discovered that most of them have a minimum focus distance of 85 millimeters. The Sony 85 F1.4 G Master, 80 centimeters, the Sigma 85 F1.4 DG DN Art, 85 centimeters, the Canon EF F1.4 LIS USM, 85 centimeters, and the Nikon AFS Nikkor 85mm f1.4G is also 85 centimeters. There is a technical reason why no company is able to deliver a super fast mid telephoto lens with a minimum focusing distance lower than 80 centimeters or 70 in the case of the Fujinon. A reason explained by Gordon from Camera Labs in his 50mm 
uh, F1 first look and that we shared in our Fujinon XF50 1.0 live blog here. Quote, larger aperture lenses suffer from increased field curvatures at close distances, hence the 70 centimeter limit on the XF50 1.4 or 1.0 and the XF56 F1.2. The full frame 85 millimeter F1.4 lenses won't focus closer either, typically around 80 to 85 centimeters. One day Fujifilm will reinvent lens design, but that day has not yet come, and hence for now, we must simply accept the 70 centimeter minimum focusing distance. Focusing distance. And speaking of Fujinon XF50 F1.0, here's a little bit more about it. And there's some videos in this article, and of course, I'll share this article in the show notes for this episode so that my listeners can check it out for themselves. Now, again, this does sound like an exciting new F mount or XF. X-mount lens from Fuji. I'm pretty sure it's going to make all of the Fuji uh, shooters pretty excited. I mean, there is a large following of Fuji X shooters out there in the world that are very loyal fanboys and girls, I guess you could call them. Uh, They really love their Fuji X cameras, and I can't blame them. They are fantastic cameras. They're not necessarily the camera for everybody, but Fuji makes some really good cameras. I mean, there's no two ways about that. And uh, a new lens for the X-mount is definitely going to be exciting for anybody and everybody that's in the Fujifilm camp. I apologize. (laughs) That noise was my coffee mug. Okay, so now we're going to get ready to wrap up with the latest news from Sony Alpha Rumors. Um, This site gets ragged on a lot by Jared Poland from Frono's Photo because apparently they've gotten a lot of stuff wrong over the years. Uh, A lot of their rumors are way off, but we'll see what we have for this week's episode and we'll go from there. Rumor, new Tamron 17-70mm f2.8-4.5 DI Mark III RXD APS-C E-mount Alphabet Soup lens to be announced in early 2021. Two sources have told me Tamron will launch a new 17-70 f2.8-4.5 DI Mark III RXD lens. The original release time was November-December, but due to the COVID-19 production reductions article here, the lens release is now scheduled for early 2021. This lens should be quite a bit cheaper than the current Zeiss 16-70 f4 lens. I hope the size will be a bit smaller as well. And uh, of course, this comes from Sony Alpha Rumors. And uh, so it looks like that lens is finally going to hit the market. It got delayed a bit because of the global pandemic stuff that's going on. But at least it is now being taken care of. And it looks like this lens is going to finally hit the market early next year. Next up, Gerald Undone, Sony A7S III Guide for Pictures, Profiles, and Exposure. Gerald Undone posted his full guide for the Sony A7S III for exposure, picture profiles, dynamic range, color modes, gammas, ETTR, zebras, low light, and S-Log3. And there's uh, multiple videos here from Gerald that you can check out. Uh, This is a new video, uh, the A7S III by Sydney... Diagzon, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right or not, <laughs> uh, from the uh, the faux blogger reviewed the A7S III and, inclu- and concluded, quote, so who is the Sony AS7 III for? As you all know, the Sony A7S III is not designed as a photography forward camera. However, it is still a competent still shooter. The A7S III is perhaps the closest thing to a great all-rounder for documentarians who shoot video and stills. The same can be said for photojournalists as well. The small size of the images, JPEGs are roughly 7 megabytes, are the perfect size to be sent quickly and efficiently to editors. The photos have more than enough detail to be printed in newspapers and magazines as long as they are not huge. They are also more than good enough to be used online. Modern photojournalists and documentarians need to shoot video too. The Sony A7S III is one of the most versatile cameras around for video production, end quote. And so, yeah, I've heard a lot of great things about the A7S III. Again, I'm not a Sony shooter, so I haven't played around with one. I do want to start doing more camera body and lens reviews on this show, but it's kind of hard because I have to foot the bill for everything myself. 
and I'm still trying to build up my audience. I don't have any sponsors yet or anything like that. They're going to help defray the costs or uh, give me free loaners like some of the bigger people out there um, get all the time. But uh, hopefully I can start doing that in uh, 2021. We'll see how things pick up. Next up, Adobe has announced the new AI-powered Photoshop Elements 2021 and Premiere Elements 2021. Both apps do use the Sensei AI technology, and you can see how it works on the official pages. And I'll include a link to this article in the show notes so that you can check out those articles from Adobe and their announcements for yourself. Uh, definitely exciting if you're somebody that's still using Photo Elements um, instead of Photoshop. Uh, at one time, I had both on my Mac, uh, but now I don't have either one because, like I said earlier, I've switched to Capture One and Affinity Photo. Next up, ending soon, last chance to buy this first hardshell backpack for photographers on Kickstarter. Ending soon, the hardshell backpack for photographers is a shockproof, waterproof, and theft-proofed and is selling super well on Kickstarter. Uh, in the video, you can see what's special about it. I'll include a link to this article in the show notes. You can check out the video for yourself on their Kickstarter page and possibly support it if you want to. They're pledged to raise $10,000. They've already passed $152,000. So it looks like that Kickstarter is going to be extremely successful. Let's just hope the products actually come out. I always like to warn my listeners, be careful with these crowdfunding program uh, items because sometimes they end up being a scam. You get screwed out of your money. You never get the product because they couldn't make the product actually come about. You know, they faked a lot of their uh, marketing videos and stuff like that. It's happened before. Um, and I think the biggest one that most people know about was the Lily drone that was supposed to be all waterproof and everything. You just pull it out of your pocket and throw it in the air and it would start flying on its own and take pictures or video of you as you walk or play sports or whatever. And that never came about. So just be careful anytime you uh, sponsor uh, crowd crowdfunding stuff like that on any of those kind of sites. Next up, $200 off on the Sony 200 to 600 millimeter lens if you are an Amazon Prime card holder. So if you are an Amazon Prime card holder, you save 10% or $198 on the excellent Sony 200 to 600 G Master lens sold by Amazon US. And that is a great deal. The, can the lens normally sells for $1,998, but you can get $198 off if you have the Amazon Prime credit card. Must be a convenient little partnership between Sony and Amazon on that where only Amazon Prime credit card holders are able to get the discount. Next up, measured Sony A7C has exactly same dynamic range performance of the A7 III. Uh, Photon, Photon's top photos measured the sensor performance of the new Sony A7C and as expected, the results are the same as the one of the A7 III. And here is the new A7C review by Lizzie Pierce. And I'll include a link to this article in the show notes so you can check out Lizzie's video for yourself, should you be so inclined. Next up, Sony A7S 3 lab test by Cindy. 12,800 native ISO, best rolling shutter performance ever tested, 13 stops of true dynamic range. Uh, and of course, you can pre-order. Uh, Cindy published their full Sony A7S lab test results. Quote, the new Sony A7S 3 shows a mixed bag in the lab test. It shows by far the best rolling shutter result that we have ever tested for a full frame camera, 8.7 milliseconds, which is amazing. In the dynamic range test at ISO 640, it has a solid 12. Uh, 12,004 uh, 12 stops at SNR equals two, but not much more is there, maybe a half stop. It looks like Sony has a lot of internal noise reduction processing going on to squeeze out this result, which for most users is fine. A great, uh, great out of the box result at ISO 16,000, the results are really impressive. 11.9 stops are measured. A Panasonic S5, for example, shows 12.1 stops, but a 13th and 14th stop are still there, similar to the Canon R5 in RAW filming mode. And the Sony FX9 has a 13th, 14th, and even hint of a 15th stop buried in the noise floor, although it shows only 11.5 stops. That's the reason why we always give you the full, re uh, full test results that you can put into perspective. 
In the underexposure test, the Sony a7S III is hindered by strange large patches of chroma noise artifacts. If you don't want to have those, limit uh, the limit is reached at three stops of underexposure, rather similar to the Sony FX9 if you use the internal all-i uh, all codec. For comparison, the recently tested Panasonic S5 actually looks surprisingly good until four stops of underexposure. You could get away even with the five stops underexposed image, mainly because the noise is very finely dispersed, such that you can very effectively apply noise reduction in post-production. And yes, please turn off the lens compensation for V-Log, as our reader Cliff Toten has pointed out. In any case, I want to remind everyone that the lab test is just one piece of the puzzle when comparing, when comparing making a judgment on cameras. Overall, the A7S III packs a huge list of superb features and a very compact battery. Times are good for us filmmakers. And uh, Chris Brockhurst just published his A7S III thoughts after real-world use. And of course, I'll include a link to this article in the show notes so that you can check it out for yourself. And the last item we have for this week, the LA-EA5 lens adapter tested by DP Review or D Preview TV. I apologize. Uh, DP Review tested the new Sony LA-EA5 lens adapter and HW Gear tested the new adapter with a 26 A with 26 A mount lenses and I'll include a link to this article so that you can check out the videos for yourself. Now, remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join. The security question is named the host of the show, which is myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the names of a previous guest on the show, such as Ruben Naha, Jill Mott, John Harvell, Jeff Harmon, and Brett Bergram from the Master Photography Podcast, model, actress, and geologist Ellie Cat, and her boyfriend and partner in Adventure Dan. So any of those names will get you in as well. Now, I made it a private group so that we don't uh, hopefully prevent getting bots and spammers. Now, once you're in the group, feel free to post your own original work. Please do not share someone else's photos, even with their permissions, as that will get you banned from the group. If you would like a creative criticism or critique of your images, you can post them with the comment CC please and myself or another pro in the group would be happy to give you some pointers. Now, additionally, once in the group, be sure to enter the summer contest in which the show is giving away a KNF Concepts carbon fiber tripod slash monopod combination. The contest runs through October 25th, 2020 at midnight, going into Sunday the 26th, and the winner will be selected on Sunday, October 26, 2020, and contacted to claim their prize. You can also find my work at www.liamphotography.net. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. And if you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my project at www.forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com. Now, remember, the first book goes on sale November 9th, 2020, so stay updated via the site or the Facebook group for updates on my media appearances and when I'll be doing book signings. All right, so that's going to wrap up this episode 94 of the Liam Photography Podcast. Like I said, I'm going to start doing two episodes a week starting this week, every Sunday and every Thursday. Sundays will be news and rumors from the Big Four rumor sites. And the Thursday episodes will be regular stuff like interviews, um, hints, tips, stuff like that. Uh, at some point, we'll be doing camera body and lens reviews as well. So I will see you all again in another seven days. Mm -hmm.